what we've learned throughout the years is that this window that was so small uh, was actually very large. And now we figured out that, you know, this, this pre-workout, this intro workout and post-workout window is really anywhere between one to two hours pre and post. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find out how to access exclusive discounts on Filex, the fitness industry convention. In this episode, Assistant Director of Performance Nutrition at Precision Nutrition, Adam Fight, talks nutrient timing, protein consumption windows, eating real food, and coaching tactics for client adherence with Network's Emma Harvey. Welcome, Adam, and we're so happy to have you here at Filex. Today, we're going to be talking about nutrition timing. What is nutrient timing? Emma, thanks for having me. This is an incredible honor, and I'm really excited to kind of explore the myths and misconceptions of nutrient timing, which essentially is eating certain foods, specific foods, at specific times and specific amounts. And I think within the health and fitness industry, we have portrayed this image where we need to eat these things at certain times in these specific amounts. And in reality, it's just figuring out exactly what works best for us in the situation that we're in. So, you know, to simplify the definition, it's really about eating specific foods and amounts at certain times throughout the day. So in relation to saying that with your wealth of experience in not only nutrition in the field, but also your work as a strength and conditioning coach with high-end athletes from the comparison to your everyday client to those elite athletes, who is it important for and when it's for each type, why does that type need it more than the other? Yeah, that's a great question. And what we've found with the, you know, 30,000 plus clients that we've worked with, uh, you know, through our distance coaching programs and our certification programs with our coaches and trainers is that these level two and level three eaters uh, that we go ahead and explore, uh, these are the types of athletes and clients that are going to go ahead and need this specific nutrient timing. For most of our clients, and we're talking for the most, the biggest majority of the clients that we're going to see on a day-to-day basis, uh, they're really going to focus on, you know, simpler things. Uh, What are they eating? Uh, How are they eating? Why are they eating? Uh, But the athletes that are going to go ahead and take care of, you know, advanced, let's say, competition time, so maybe they are competing uh, back-to-back, or let's say they're going through exhaustive training for, let's say, more than two hours or more, these are the types of clients that we can go ahead and take advantage of these specific windows of opportunity to make sure that they go ahead and eat, they move, they live better, but ultimately if they're going to perform better for their sport. Right. So you've just mentioned timing, which is a really great point because I have read in one of the recent articles by Precision Nutrition that the window is expanding with research. So with the expansion of that window, what do you think it will mean for every day, whether it be trainers or everyday clients, in how they will maximize their nutrient intake after workout? Yeah, I think what's really great about it is it's going to make us less stressed and uh, leave our clients a little bit less overwhelmed with the amount and the pressure that we need to eat or we have to go ahead and, uh, you know, put the scoops of protein in our shaker bottle and as soon as we're done with our last set or our last rep, we have to be drinking that. So, you know, within the last 15, 16 years, uh, you know, since the early 2000s, one of the major books had come out in the States, uh, you know, Nutrient Timing, 
you know, back then it was it was very short-sighted. The research, you know, 15 years ago was saying, hey, we did see some advantages uh, if we had our nutrients, our proteins, and our carbohydrates. You know, whether that was in liquid form or solid form, if we had it sooner after the training session, uh, we got a better response. But what we failed to see at the time, now that we've known that the technology has gotten better, is that. Uh, the window, what we used to think was maybe 30 to 45 minutes, and, you know, my work as a strength conditioning coach, I kind of simplified it and, and called it the power hour. So uh, as soon as they got done training, hey, we had an hour, and some of the recommendations that I had used was, you know, try to have a shake within 20 minutes and eat within 40 minutes. So within that hour, you had that shake and you had that whole meal. And what we've learned throughout the years is that this window that was so small uh, was actually very large. And now we figured out that, you know, this, this pre-workout, this intro-workout and post-workout window is really anywhere between one to two hours pre and post. This is great because now as trainers, we don't have to worry about, you know, recommending the latest supplement and trying to get our clients to go ahead and eat and drink as fast as possible after training. We can actually go ahead and filter it into how it works within their daily life. So let's say you're a, a corporate executive and you train first thing in the morning. Uh, you know, it might be best for you to just go ahead and wait and have breakfast at home with your kids before they leave for school. Or let's say you're in between, you're on a lunch break. You can go ahead and not worry about, you know, packing a shake uh, with you know fast digesting carbohydrates and proteins, you can wait for lunch with your colleagues. So, I think overall it gives us a little bit more latitude and freedom to uh, focus on what really matters, and that's whole foods, minimally processed, and, and mixed sources. Uh, so we're not wasting our time and our money on you know let's say man-made products and artificial sweeteners and colors because uh, when it comes down to the, you know deep health, it's it's being nutritious with our choices, uh, you know both in life with food, and you know if we can make it easier for everybody, that's our goal. That sounds amazing. I'm really looking forward to the hope of people moving away from that protein shake trend and having real food because overall I feel the benefit will be real food, real results. And so that is so great to have the research that backs it up. Now, you've also mentioned previously in other chats acute changes and chronic changes. And when you make a change to your diet, even if it is in relation to your training, how to notice the difference on whether it's short term or long term that will enhance not only your performance but your health. Yeah, this is an interesting concept where we go into the exploration of what we call outcome-based decision-making, where, you know, as coaches, we're really scientists, and we want to make sure that if we go ahead and change, let's say, an acute variable. So if we're talking weight training, for instance, uh, let's talk about rest. Uh, so traditionally, let's say if we're training for strength and power, we may want our rest to be a little bit longer. So let's say I work very hard for a heavy set. Uh, I take anywhere between two and five minutes uh, in between attempts, and then I evaluate that. Uh, am I getting stronger? Am I feeling more recovered? Uh, what's my sense of you know, perceived exertion for the next one? And if we take that same approach with nutrition, and let's say, uh, you know, I have to lose a little bit of weight, and we go ahead and change multiple variables. So let's say we go back to the strength training. Uh, I give you more rest. Maybe we do some recovery work in between. Maybe we train less frequent. So now that I have ultimately different amounts of time in between each session, I don't really know what I've changed. So as coaches, we try to focus on, you know, this habit-based approach of changing one thing at a time. So when we talk about acute and long-term variables, you're only as good, your, your next workout is only as good as your last one. And how you recover from one is how you'll start the next one. So by using this outcome-based decision model, uh, we're able to see what we want to change, test it, figure out exactly what we're looking for. And then for us, you know, with nutrition coaching, we give it about two weeks. Uh, you know, how are we doing with that? And then we're looking at, let's say we're doing some awareness journals. We're talking about athletic performance indicators. And then after this about two-week period, we really realize, uh, did this make a difference? Uh, where are we in terms of training? Where are we in terms of recovery? Where are we in terms of body composition? So 
the whole idea of reflecting on the outcome is if, if we change it too soon, we don't really give it enough time to kind of take shape. Uh, and if we wait too long, it might be too late. So, you know, finding that balance and, you know, what works for you and your client is really the ultimate step because uh, things can change very quickly. Uh, you can work out and you'll feel very tired right after. And, you know, are you getting any better? Well, we're doing a lot of damage. So we want to give that some time to go ahead and, uh, you know, come to fruition there. So uh, it's really about what's working best for the coach and the client at the same time within their certain situation, but understanding that we have to have a keen eye and ear uh, to this whole entire process to make sure that we drive the next steps forward. That sounds great and really individualized. As you said, everyone's different depending on what they're doing. But the big thing that I took from that response is that it's consistency. A lot of times I've read a lot of things about, you know, if you're going to make a change, it has to be consistent to be able to evaluate exactly those outcomes. So is there any key technique or key tip you have in relation to maintaining that consistency? Because I find that is the biggest struggle for most people trying to make those changes. Absolutely. And most of the recent research suggests that even with the types of diets, uh, it's not about if it's high fat, if it's low fat, if it's high carb or low carb. The number one driving critical factor is client adherence. What can you stick with? Uh, as a parent, I've learned that you know we can I can read books on parenting styles or how I should raise my children, but guess what? If it doesn't fit in line uh, with maybe what, what my wife agrees and that we can incorporate into our daily life day in and day out, it won't work for us. So if we understand that no matter what we recommend or what our clients do, uh, if they can't continually do that, we're in trouble. On the flip side of the same coin now is how can we make this task uh, or project or let's say recommendation that we give them so incredibly easy that they can't screw it up. And this is where we kind of get into, you know, we go into client-centered and coach-centered approaches where a coach-centered approach might go ahead and make a recommendation for you. That means I'm making the decision. While you may be paying me money to train and to coach you, I'm making the sole decision. But if I don't take into consideration where you are, how ready you are, how willing you are, and how able you are to make this change, and it can be something as simple as eating breakfast every day, or, hey, Emma, you know what, listen, I would like to see more protein at lunch. You need to eat more protein at lunch. If you can't be consistent with eating protein at lunch, what did I do as a coach to make that easier for you? So maybe you're not eating any protein for lunch. Maybe we go ahead and talk about, hey, Emma, where are you? Are you, are you ready to make this change? Are you willing? And certainly, are you able? And we look at a, a very simple scale of 1 to 10. And if I'm not on a 9 above to a 10, that change might be very difficult for them. So it's our goal to meet them where they're at and figure out what is the next change, what we call limiting factor versus best factor coaching. What's that one thing in your way that I can go ahead and help you remove to make these choices? So we go back to client adherence, but we also go back to this one habit approach. Uh, most trainers are going to go ahead and give a diet plan, and they're going to say things like, don't eat this, uh, avoid this, limit this. Whereas in a, in a client-centered approach, we're thinking about things like aim for this, try for this, achieve this. But we make it so small that it's sustainable, it's strategic, it's sequential, it's all part of the giant outcome. So for some of us, it might be to lose weight. For some of us, it might be to gain muscle. But whatever it is, we pick something that we know they'll be able to do. It's like going to university, right? You just don't start out writing your, your master's thesis or dissertation, right? You have to take various parts. You're working on the introduction. You have to work on your review of literature. But before all that, you're working on your basic you know, writing skills. So why not take the same approach with nutrition? Why go ahead and see our clients January 1? and give them that five days a week workout program, right? Because they're going to be super excited. They're going to have their new shoes on. They're going to have their new fitness gear. They're going to have their new, you know, mobile technology and wearable tech. But where are they three months later? 
And did we guide them along the path? Did we shape that path accordingly and build upon each success progressively to make things a little bit more challenging, but they're definitely ready to do it? Great. So again, another great thing you mentioned is how much coaching makes a difference in your client and how they work through what they need to to reach their goal. So as a trainer, how can you implement coaching strategies in relation to nutrition and why is that so much more beneficial than just educating them on the general nutrition guidelines? That's a great point, and I think it kind of fits into where I am with this trip right now. So it's, it's been a long trip from United States, and, you know, we're trying to build in some time to go check out the, the area and, and sightsee. And I, I liken this approach as a coach to maybe being a tour guide, right, or somebody that maybe has a recommendation. So we go ahead and look at it. So I may come, and I'm, I've got my book, and I've done my Google research, and I, I'm going to go here. Uh, I'm going to go to the zoo. I'm going to go kayaking. I'm going to go to the hot springs, or, uh, you know what, I'm going to go to the market. But yet, a great coach acts like a tour guide, and they, they may offer suggestions, but they understand that it's their client's journey. Uh, if the client wishes to go here, that's okay. That's not a problem. And if they go there, and then it probably wasn't exactly what the client had thought, well, then the coach steps in and says, okay, what did we learn from this? Uh, how can we go ahead and move forward? And then where can we work together to devote the next sort of change? So a great coach will go ahead and take that in consideration to make sure that it's their journey. This is my trip, and I'm going to do the very best possible way to get the results I'm looking for. But I, as a coach, can't make that decision for them. And I think a lot of us as coaches and trainers up until this point have made those decisions for them. We've told them to go work out for 30 minutes a day. We've told them to not eat breakfast. We've told them to avoid this and limit this. And what we're trying to do is help guide those decisions and have them explore why are they doing that. Uh, why aren't they doing that? And if we can work with them and devote this relationship, when we talk about coaching, that's relationship. We're coaching the whole person. We're not just coaching the nutrition. Uh, it's the whole aspect of being a better person. It's uh, having a better identity, understanding what values and priorities they have in life. There's going to come a time where more clients are going to want that. They're not going to want to hire coaches and trainers just to lose weight and to fit into their new dress for their 10-year reunion. Uh, it's going to be about whole self coaching. I think that's what great coaches do. Is they bring their entire self, but they also manage and devote themselves to developing a better self for their client. Exactly, and that's what we want for all our clients to reach their goals. And by using that strategy and everything you just mentioned is hopefully the way that we'll move forward in the fitness industry. Do you feel that? how we are going as a fitness industry is going to head that direction? Very good question. I think we're making strides in the right areas, but I also think that we're our own worst enemy, right? So uh, while we continue to maybe take two steps forward, we're also going to take a step back because, uh, you know, what we may see is as glitzy and glamorous, uh, you know, this piece of uh, technology will help us get there or this type of clothing will go ahead and make things easier. Uh, but in reality, it's not always about making things easier. It's not always about making things more accessible because uh, there's always going to be an industry for that. Uh, how can we connect with people? How can we develop uh, this relationship with people on a personal level to get them to validate their own uh, self-confidence and awareness? Because, you know, we can put the carrot at the end of the stick and we can keep that stick in front of them and we can wave it. And it's going to work for a certain amount of time. But if we can't connect with them on an inner level and discover why they're making these decisions, why these goals are important to them, uh, we're going to be in trouble. So, you know, I think we are making some progress for sure, but as technology continues to improve, uh, the whole sense of one-on-one -on -one interaction and developing that whole self-coach mentality uh, can be compromised. So, you know, it depends on what your approach is, but I think, you know, we definitely have a shot, and, uh, and I hope more coaches and trainers uh, really evaluate that, you know, it's not as simple as just, 
another app to be downloaded or another wearable tech to be, you know, tracked. Okay, that's brilliant. Now, is there any other takeaways or finishing factors that you want to leave us with as top tips for including nutrient timing into their current strategies, whether they're the elite athlete or just the person trying to stay healthy? Yeah, well, I think, you know, maybe two takeaways that really come to my mind right now is one is, you know, you are your own experiment. Uh, let's say you're the client themselves and maybe you're listening to this and you want an idea of, you know, how maybe this will respond to. You have to evaluate yourself. You're, you can be a scientist and, you know, don't get discouraged. Don't try things and just after a couple of days give up on it. You have to stick to it because that's how you get better uh, as the client itself. But you figure out what works for you. You know, nutrient timing works for some people. We used to recommend that, you know, carbohydrates should be eaten around certain specific times. And we have found that, you know, that gives structure. That gives a little bit of discipline to some people and then they need that. Uh, we've found that with nutrient timing that, uh, you know, with athletes, it, it creates a sense of an opportunity to go ahead and, and take advantage of maybe times of the day that they may be used to not. And so I think the key takeaway point is to stick to the process, test the results, evaluate on the outcome, and then move forward from there. And then second of all, uh, don't make it harder than it has to be. So when we explore nutrient timing, it's about eating specific food types at, in specific amounts in specific time periods. Don't get caught up in the grams. Don't get caught up in the ounces. You know, for us at Precision Nutrition, we utilize a, a palm-based uh, portion control approach. Why? Because, you know, I came to Australia. I didn't bring measuring cups. I didn't go to Woolworth grocery store and, and get a food scale, but I brought my hand. I'm always going to have this hand. And so by making general recommendations such as palm-based portions of protein, uh, thumbs worth of fat, cupped handfuls of carbohydrates, fistfuls of veggies, and evaluating how is that working for me, I'll be able to make a more sustainable approach for the long term. So go ahead and evaluate on yourself, reflect on the outcome, and don't get lost in the details. Don't worry about the fine-toothing of the comb. Evaluate, see what's going on, and keep it simple, approachable, and practical and sustainable for you. And then you're going to get the results that you're looking for. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been extremely enlightening and really enjoyable, and we'll hope to hear a lot more from you over the weekend. Awesome. Can't wait. It's been a great event thus far. Appreciate it, Emma. For more articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au.